Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Above Board with Canderpath. This is Rich, and I've got John with me, and we are so excited to be here with you. I hope everything that's been going on in your life has been going in the right direction and that you are doing things and making choices that will leave your mark on this world. And kind of, that's what we want to talk about, right, John? I'm excited that we're discussing this conversation about our children while my children are in the next room playing. And before we started this, they were, I looked at Rich and I go, can you hear my kids in the background? He's like, that's all I hear. <laughs> so we're, if they come in, it'll be, um, it'll be like, it'll be poetry in motion if they come I in. I mean, it's great. If we were talking about flowers and then all of a sudden like rose petals started falling upon you, it would be perfect timing. And you know, Uncle Rich loves your kids. So that's good. And uh, it's fine. So yeah, this is what we kind of want to talk about. So first of all, in, in full disclosure, we know not everybody that might be listening to this is a parent, but one of the things that we always like to say whenever we're talking about anything, whether it's finance or self, self, you know, self-care or, or, physical physical fitness or diet or exercise or whatever is that you know to relate and not compare so don't mm-hmm. immediately go I don't have kids this doesn't make sense to me think about just what we're going to talk about in where the did you get sense. that quote rich by the way um that's something that you mean the relate not compare it's yeah because I, I've heard you say that so many times and I find now I say that to other people like I've 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 taken that from you I'm sort of like Yoda I don't to know you. where you're like you're you, like my you Luke Skywalker in a way yeah um you, you know that's something that I've heard many people say I feel I more of like a Han Solo sorry keep going <laughs> of course you would <laughs> I guess I'm Chewbacca then <laughs> I'm like the old I'm like the old but um I you know it's something that I've heard many people say I I had somebody that I worked with for a long time that when they would speak they would they would say that quite a bit but what I learned about this particular person is that very little that they said came from them <laughs> So it was just, they were really good at repeating things as we are, you know, as, as it's once been said, there is nothing that is original on this earth and art is just a recreation of other things. So I can't attribute it to one person. I'm sure if I Googled it, I could find it. But the concept is just basically sometimes in life, especially these days, we become so literal that we, we live in the social media world where if something doesn't capture our attention in eight seconds, we're tuned out. You know, my YouTube channel the things that I post that are shorts that are eight to 12 seconds long get one to 5,000 views. When I post 11 minute YouTubes where I think I'm having like an intelligent conversation, they get 40 to 50 views. And I understand that it could be because I suck. I doubt it because, Hey, that's what I do for a living. I'm not that bad at it, but it's also because people's attention spans are what they are. And a lot of people, if they don't instantly say, this is my world. If you're watching a video on how to maintain your Mercedes Benz, a lot of people would scroll right past. But, you know, like the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, the title itself, you know, you wonder about that. Have you ever heard of that book or seen it? It's a book that was very popular back in the day. It was a bestseller. But the, the, I'm sure the publishers of that book probably told the author, this is a bad idea because people that don't ride motorcycles or don't like motorcycles or have a negative impression of motorcycles are maybe not going to pick up this book because they're going to be so literal. They're going to think this has something to do with motorcycle maintenance, uh-huh. but it doesn't. It's it's sort of just understanding that what we're about to talk about, parenting and legacy and kids, this could pertain to leadership. This could pertain to relationships. This could pertain to how you comport yourself and carry yourself in this world. John brought this up and it's something that I'm going to paraphrase you, John, so you can certainly jump in, but I know John very well. And for a man of your age, 
because you're a young man. You really are. Oh, thank you. Um, you are. And I don't feel that these days, but yes, thank you. Well, you are though. And not only are you a young man, but um, I literally, and I want to tell you something. This is something that you didn't, you're not, I, I didn't tell you that I was going to say to you. When I was driving to the gym with my son, my 14-year-old son, Luke, who looks at you as a favorite uncle, to be honest, loves you, adores you. And you've known him since he was a kid. You've actually said one, and I might be taking too much credit here, but I recall you saying something along the lines of one of the affirmations you had that that either that you would be a good parent or that you wanted kids, even though you probably always wanted kids, was some seeing Luke and, and spending some time with Luke. He was some he was at least a, a bit of an influence on you because of the relationship that you guys had, this like really cool. And when we were driving to the gym the other day, we were talking about work and professions and careers and and I literally said to him, you know, here's where I can take you with that and, and had the conversation. I said, but you're very lucky you have somebody like Uncle Johnny in your life because he's somebody that you can sit down and have this conversation with. He's somebody that you can talk to about what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? What does it mean to, you know, kids these days have this term. It's been popularized on social media. Have you ever heard the term monk mode? No. Monk mode. Never. Well, you this actually is popular right now? Very. And you Jeez. actually do it. Your 75 hard is a version of monk mode. Monk mode okay. is a word where people are basically you go into a zone where you're only focusing on what's important. So hypothetically, monk mode would be this. I'm going to eat a certain way. I'm cutting off all the BS people in my life that aren't supporting my career goals, my school goals, my life goals, my family goals. I'm going to read, you know, X amount of pages a day. I'm going to involve myself in fitness. I'm going to up my game on my relationship. I'm going to be completely focused and do and take actions that are very disciplined, monk hmm. mode. So Luke cut off a bunch of people in his life uh, as a kid that, you know, we had this whole conversation about, you know, you're, you're a reflection of the five people you spend the most time with. And he kind of removed himself from people that were maybe being that supportive or that great and that really didn't have any goals. And, and he's kind of surrounded himself with this different group of people. I've shown you a little bit of his physical transformation. You know that he's been sure. going to the gym with me. And while certainly it's moving into being an older 14 year old, the pictures that I sent you, the before and after, just midway through, is impressive with this kid. So he he now is going to seek you out to be somebody that he wants to have. Because I'm not an entrepreneur, I've not founded a business, I've, I don't do what you do. And he looks at you as somebody that will help him grow in that way. And he really looks up to you. And I think when he looks back on his life, when he is your age at 35. I have a very strong feeling unless you do something like really stupid and like we have this massive fight, never talk to each other again, which I don't ever see happening. I see you as being somebody when I'm gone, because I'm 20 years older than you and I'm going to be gone way before you. I see you as being somebody that is going to be a constant in his life and very important to him. And you're going to be, your part of your legacy is going to be the influence that you have on my son. And I can only imagine that the people that live with you every day, that the impact that you're going to have on them as well with your daughter and with your son, because you are such a great example of a person who is driven, of a person who cares about what they do, a person that has created disciplines, a person who holds up the mirror constantly, and a person who is always about being better. And we're talking about, and we're going to move into talking very quickly about how that is with our children. But I want those of you that maybe 
don't see it that way or your children are grown or you whatever, maybe it's your grandchildren or maybe it's your friends or whatever it is. But I, I just think that that's a powerful conversation to have. And, you know, I know that you feel very passionate about setting the example for your kids. I just want you to know you're already setting an example for mine. And as he's much older than yours, he's going to be having, he wants to sit down with you and talk to you about these kinds of things. And you're, you're, you know, for a man of 30 something years old in your mid thirties, that's, that's, I just want to say to you, you know, as, as your elder friend, that's Mm. super impressive. You've already had a, a, an impact on, on my son. Gosh. Um, I, uh, that's, that's really, I really appreciate you saying that. That makes me feel really great. And it's fun. That's just a lot of kind words, man. It's been fun watching him grow up. I mean, I met him when he was four and now he's 14. And, and what's great about just the, just, ah, he's every year he's a new person, you know, he like and, and it's cool that at 14, which is a very important age to be recognizing some of some of the things he's recognizing going into monk mode. I mean, I don't think I went into monk mode until I, I can actually remember a time during college. I was maybe 19 or 20 where I had that experience of like, I should probably, I should probably maybe upgrade my friend group or, or disassociate from certain people that are not. Is that when you put down influences. the beer bong? Is that when you put <laughs> yeah, down? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No more keg stands. No more keg stands. But, but it was probably around that age that was the first time ever that I thought these people aren't good. These people aren't a good influence on me. And if I continue in this direction, uh, and so to see that at fourteen in him, that's that's an amazing attribute. And he really is. He is such a great kid. And he's unusual. Man, I almost don't even want to use the word kid anymore because he he seems so mature. He's a young man. He's he's an unusual yeah. young man. And I want to talk. And thank you. And I want to talk, and I I take credit for that as well. But I, of I have you to should. say, I I have to say that Uncle Johnny, you're you're going to be. I'm just letting you know this. This is a conversation we had literally three days ago, and I said I really want you to reach out to him. And I know he's super busy, but this guy will always make time for you. And on the weekend, go over there when the kids are swimming and just sit with them and ask him questions and pick his brain. And I think that you're going to be a big influence now. It's so funny because we literally did that on Friday. I don't know, I know. if you know that, but he yeah, came over with because because your youngest was over playing with my kids. Yeah, that was Amazing. the beginning. That was the beginning of you of of you taking young Padawan under your wing, Obi Wan. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about this idea of of what drives you with your own kids, and and we're going to keep this as succinct as possible for the short time that we have left. Yeah, with you, I know that you. And if I paraphrase you incorrectly, please please correct me. You feel very passionate about wanting to set an example for your children about something very specific that most parents, I think most parents are trying to set examples of manners and, and yeah. how you treat people and, you know, you know, not chewing with your mouth open. And those are all great things, but there is a deeper thing that drives you that you want your children to see in you that yeah. you want them to do. And I want you to articulate it because I don't want to use, I don't want to take the thunder from your words. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, I, I think some of the things that you just mentioned for me are, are a baseline in parenting. Uh, obviously, I, th- I think it's it's important to raise your kids to have proper manners. And, and I want my children to know that they feel loved and accepted by me. Like those are, when I think of the common things about, you know, how do I want a parent or what do I want my kids to remember about me? I want them to remember that they felt loved. They felt accepted. They felt safe. You know, that's a big thing for me. Like my, my daughter will often say, um, that, 
uh, she she feels like I'll I'll ask her some some provoking questions of like how do you feel when you're with mommy like you know how does she make you feel when you do these things mm-hmm. and mommy's like fun for her like she feels she she feels you know that that sense of excitement mommy makes magic happen you know like taking her to do cool things I said well how do you feel with me I'm boring old dad right but you know one of the things that she's expressed to me is she feels. She feels very safe with me. There's never a time where she doesn't feel safe. And I, and I love that. I maybe should probably dial up the fun a little bit. But some of those things are baseline for me as a parent. I, I just expect that of myself. I, I actually shared this with you over the weekend that one of my biggest fears for me personally as a human is not living up to my fullest potential. Like that is a, that is a constant, which like we can unpack that at another, I mean, that oh, could we be like did. Another... I, I had a whole, like, I, I went down a whole like rabbit hole yeah. with you on that, that I like kind of pulled back on a little bit cause I don't want to be that guy, but yeah, absolutely. No, I need like 12, like one-on-one, you know, 60 minute therapy sessions with you to, to really dig deep on that. But I think in that buried in that is, uh, and I can't, I don't, I don't know who to credit this to. Actually, <laughs> she said at the beginning of this podcast, everything is just you know, this free flowing form of art. Sure. And, you know, I, I feel like our entire podcast is taking other ideas and information. Well, and listen, sort of every, every quote is attributed to either Abraham Lincoln, yeah. you know, mother <laughs> Teresa or, or, you know, Einstein. So just, or Gandhi. So right. or Buddha, every, right. every quote goes to one of those four. So, yeah. And, and so for me, I, you know, realizing that that's how I am. And, you know, I really, I want my children to pursue their dreams, pursue what they're passionate about, not necessarily meaning like chasing money, but doing the things that they enjoy in life. And they're young still. And I know that, but I think it's a disservice to your kids to tell them to chase their own dreams when they see you not doing that. And, and I, I, I also live in this fear or this, this, this fictitious conversation that's going to happen someday where I'm talking to Ella or Hudson about chasing their dreams and, and focusing on their passions and, and them turning around and saying, well, daddy, when did you stop chasing yours? I mean, like I, I, I think about like I place myself in the future of this conversation of that happening. And I don't want that to happen. I think it's a disservice to tell your kids to do that and them not seeing you live that. And that's, you know, that comes with sacrifices. I work really hard. I, I try to be a very involved parent. And I think like, you know, you shared some of those things about being like, those are baseline for me manners, acceptance, love. I want them to know that those feeling safe. I want them to know that those things exist, but I really, for me, that's, that's a big one is, is not someday them asking me, dad, when did you stop chasing your dreams? And how could I ever expect them to chase theirs if they don't see me doing that? If they don't see me living that life. And I guess I'll flip the question back around to you. Um, because you talked a little bit about Luke and, and, and I'm, I'm curious what, what would you say? How would you answer this question? Like, how would you want your kids to think about you in the future and to remember, dad taught me this when I grew up, or this is something that always stuck with me? And why does that matter to you? Like, what, what are your thoughts there? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I would say that um, something that I've always believed, and and I'll use a little bit of a silly parable that I believe I came up with. I'm sure somebody else has said it before, but um, clay that is clay that has hardened cannot be molded. So once the clay has become baked in the sun, it is probably, I'm sure maybe there's somebody out there who's like a clay artist that's going, no, that's not true. But <laughs> but generally speaking, you, cement, once it's hardened, I don't think once you've hardened cement, you could pour all the water in the world on it, okay? I don't think it's going to turn back into wet cement, you know? Mm-hmm. 
un, up until a certain point. And I think that to your point of your children being, you said something like, well, they're no, they're so young right now, but no, but this is when you do this. You know, the psychologists will tell you three to seven years old, I think it is, is when most people are who they are. They're not going, I mean, we, of course there's changes and we grow and all that kind of stuff, but the core really happens at a very young age. Um, so I feel that that's very important. Um, and I think that understanding that this is when we mold them. My perspective that I come from, since you asked me, is I did not have a really good foundational upbringing. And I realized that I was at a crossroads at a younger age where at one point I never wanted to have children or be married because I thought I would be a disaster, a disaster as a husband, a disaster as a father, because I believe that past, what is it that you say in finance, past past investments, past past performance is not indicative of, or past returns are not indicative of future performance. Right. And what I found is that I, when it comes to life, sometimes it is. Sometimes, you know, if you if a person is abusive, neglectful, and not kind, sometimes, you know, if you get in a relationship with that person, expect that. That's probably what, what the behaviors that you've seen, but sometimes it's not. And I made the conscious decision. And my thing that I live by is I, I took whatever was good that happened in my life and that I learned as a, as a child. But I've also sat there and thought to myself that you learn much more from the mistakes Jim Rohn said, and I'm going to probably butcher this quote, it is best to learn from other, it's best to learn, it's good to learn from your mistakes. It's mm-hmm. best to learn from others' mistakes, but it is even better to learn from other successes because that is how you accelerate your own success. Hmm. And what I did was I did that in my own life and I looked at the horrible things that happened to me as a child and I said, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to do that. I will never say that. And that's what I've done. My son has recognized that because my son's old enough that he knows a little bit about my upbringing without sordid details. And he said to me recently, which I, I, you know, and I don't even want to cry on a podcast, but we were literally in the gym and I was doing abs and he came over to me and he just said, you're a great dad. And I know, I just want you to know that I know that you didn't have an easy life coming up. He said, but I literally see within you and I see you trying so hard and putting in this effort to pour into Ava and I and and Rhett, my oldest, all of these things that you didn't have. I know that no one ever said to you, you're, you're amazing and you're, you're powerful and you're going to be successful, but you say that to us all the time. So I think it's very important that we, we, look at that from that perspective. That that's that's the perspective rather that I would say maybe it's not important to other people, but for me, that's how I want my kids to see me. I want them just to know it's not perfection. I always tell my kids, I will be much more proud of you for who you are than what you do. Mm-hmm. One of the the things with especially with that, I want my kids to pursue their dreams. I want them to be all that they can be. You, you were very clear. You weren't talking about money. You're talking about being happy and joyful in their life. And I think sometimes, especially when they're young, that's something we have to be very disciplined about communicating because kids can take things very literally and think, dad will be happy with me if I get an A. Dad will be happy with me if my team wins the game. Dad will think I'm a good a good person if I... And of course, you want that stuff, but you know, also being in tune with the fact that it's also about who they are. 
You lost the game, but you had excellent sportsmanship. You didn't get an A, but you studied your butt off, and I saw you really doubling down, and I'm super impressed that you disciplined yourself to do that. And I think that I've learned, especially with someone like Luke, who's a super high performer naturally, that I have to speak power and speak passion and speak influence into who he is more than what he's doing. And I think that is that is the trick and the balance that I've learned. Well, to to give you some kudos, he at, at 14 to have that perspective of your parenting already and have that conversation with you. I mean, yeah. it's probably pretty rare that a 14-year-old can even Extremely. communicate those feelings, let alone then feel like not only can I articulate it, but I'm going to actually share that. You know, 14-year-old boys are, I feel like, you know, they're 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 young men of very few words and they don't want to share their feelings a lot. And I think that in and of itself speaks volumes to the type of parenting that you, that you, both you and Don do. I mean, you're, you're both very, very involved. And so props to you for, for just beautiful, amazing kids. Thank you. Thank you. So I appreciate that. And, and it is, he is rare. He is, that's why I talk to him about talking to you because I see you as an older soul as well. You always joke around that most of the people that you really relate to are, you know, look at me, I'm 20 years older than you and you and I are like, really, I consider you a very close friend and Matt's older than you. You know, you just, you kind of, he doesn't like being reminded of that, but Matt, much you're older old, than John. much older than me. Matt, you're much older than John. But, but <laughs> Matt could always say, "Yeah, Rich, but you're much older than me." So you know, I always win that contest. Right. But I, I think you know, for you, it's it's powerful to just think about legacy and how our kids see us because they are the art that we leave behind. They are the the hmm. carving on the stone tablets we leave behind. The greatest compliment that one can get as a parent. And I actually received this the other day from one of the the people from the dojo, from the karate school where Luke is teaching. She just said, I just want to thank you for raising a decent human being, a good person, a good young man. We need more of that in this world. That's what you're doing. Would you say, throwing it back to you, your focus on your kids, not basically what you said is you don't want them to say, to you, you know, you don't want to be that do as I say, not as I do guy. Yes. You know, I remember saying to my dad, who was a chain smoker back in the mm-hmm. 70s, smoking the Marlboros that I used mm-hmm. to walk into 7 Eleven barefoot to buy for him back in the day. No one ever carded me. I'm like, three packs of Marlboro lights, please. <laughs> <laughs> what um, a different time. Oh, oh my, my God. Goodness. Literally, he'd pull up in the brown Malibu and go, go get me three packs, Marlboro lights, make sure it's the gold package. I mean, I still see every time I see them, I smile to myself. But I remember saying to my dad, um, you know, how old I'm, were you when this happened, by the way? Uh, third grade. <laughs> so you got out of the front seat without a seatbelt on. You just jumped out of the car, got a pack, got a carton of cigarettes. I think I was driving. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Pumped your dad's gas. But I, I remember saying to him, I'm going to smoke just like you one day. And he turns to me and he said, you're never going to smoke. Don't you dare smoke. Do as I say, not as I do. Oof. And it, it actually worked for me because I just never – because I, I can I just tell you the truth? This is horrifying to some people, but people of my generation are going to be like thumbs up on this. I actually got caught smoking when I was 13 years old. My dad caught me smoking a cigarette. Do you know what mm-hmm. I had to do? My dad, this is so child abuse-ish, but I'm just going to tell the truth. My dad time. mate said, you can smoke as much as you want if you can eat this pack of cigarettes. And he handed me a pack of Marlboro Lights and he told me to eat without the filters, I didn't have to eat the filters, to eat the cigarettes. I got through three and then began to 
become very of ill, course. let's just say. Needless to say, that is why it has always turned me off. This I don't smoke cigars. I don't smoke cigarettes. It grossed me out. Now, I am not suggesting this is a parenting thing. What a lesson. But, oh, my goodness. But, but the, the, the lesson could have been done in a different way. But for me, I remember that about my dad. And what I remember – you know what I take away from that? I don't mm-hmm. take away from that that my dad you know, was bad. What I took away from it was my dad wanted me to be better than him. That's yeah. what I take away from that. My yeah. dad did not want me to fall into the same traps. Now, did he do it in maybe a, a, a you know a, a, a guy that was born in 1930s and raised during the Depression kind of way? Yes. Would I do that with my kids? Absolutely not. But let me tell you something. I can honestly sit here and say I have never smoked a full cigarette ever yeah. in my life. So in funny. acting roles, I've puffed on them when I was a, an actor, but I never smoked a full cigarette. And what I take away from that now, the good that I take away from that is it – it made me see that within him, he just didn't want me. Hey, look, think about like Robert Downey Jr. When you when you hear his biography, how his dad was like, come on, kid, let's go do drugs together. Come on, let me show you how to shoot up. Let me show you how to roll a joint, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and he talks about how that messed with him. Oh, you know, I can imagine. Uh, well, yeah. or, or what's the actress? I always forget her name. The one that I helped with the suit. I helped her with the suitcase. Drew Barrymore. She doesn't even have a relationship with her mom. You know, I think, I don't know, is her mom still alive? I believe so. But they are strange because her mom would take her to Studio 54 and they would do Coke together when she was like 10. I mean, or whatever, you know? I mean, my point is, it's what we remember about our parents. Your kids are going to remember what you've poured into them. And and you can never, you're so hard on yourself that you, you, you have to also give yourself grace. I think as a parent is that you have to understand that you're not going to always be be all and do all and be perfect. And that that's mm-hmm. great for your kids to see as well. Because I see my dad as an imperfect dad, but what mm-hmm. I see with wisdom as I look back and I'm like, he was doing the best he could to make sure I didn't screw up my health and hurt myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I will say, I think it's amazing. And maybe maybe it was some of those specific challenges he gave you that then like forced you to, let's say, not smoke cigarettes. But I do think that some of the most powerful lessons that we teach our kids are the things that we do, not the things that we say, unfortunately. So you're, you're a bit of a rare breed. And I know, I know other people like you that like grew up in an environment where they said, this is not for me. I'm not going to be the byproduct of this environment. I'm going to be different. And I would love to understand and unpack the psychology of somebody that can, that in a non-ideal climate can still come through that and be even better. I think that that's, I think that's difficult to do. I definitely think that my kids, and your kids, like they, it's, it's a lot of, it's what they see. They emulate what they see. And I can say all the, the I can use all the words, like in this instance, you'll never smoke cigarettes, but if they're watching me do that, that's creating a different level of impact and influence on them. It's confusing. It just is. It it's, just confusing. Is. Oh, it's confusing. Cannot, yeah. If you screamed and yelled at Jackie and called her horrible names and then turned yeah. to Hudson and said, don't you ever talk to your wife like that? That's going to yeah. be confusing. If, right. if, you know, the example that you and the loving household that you guys have is why your kids are so loving. It's why your son hugs my daughter and says, I love you to her whenever she's playing with him and she's yeah. older than him and she's great with him. It's yeah. why Ella, even though they have the age difference, why Ava really looks at Ella, really yeah. looks at her like a little sister, really yeah. does. I she mean, does. she talks yeah. about that, you know, and it's because they see the loving environment. But, you know, there's Thank people, you. John, that, aren't in a loving environment, weren't raised in a mm-hmm. loving environment. There's kids that are, I've seen it as a pediatric ICU nurse. I've seen the most horrific, horrific things in the world. 
And I remember thinking to myself, that was why I was drawn to that career was because I went through, you know, if, if, you know, level 10 is being raised in a war zone where, you know, you're handed a machine gun and you're told to go out and fight. And, you know, that's, I'm not saying I'm anywhere near there, but, Mm -hmm. you know, in today's world, I would have been definitely put in foster care 100, yeah. 100% in today's world had somebody called, you know, and, and that's not a slam to my parents. I loved my parents. They did the best they could with what they had. But I sit here and can tell you I've never, never hit my kids. Never, just never done it. Just never, mm-hmm. never done it. And, you know, I think with Rhett one time, I patted him on the butt three times like pat, pat, pat. I've never done it. I don't have to. And you see how my mm-hmm. kids are now, yeah. not the per- but I'm not the perfect parent because my kids see me being anxious. My kids see me being impatient. My kids see me being really hard on myself. So I've had to pay attention to that. Yeah. I guess the point is legacy, right? I mean, really it comes down to whatever, however we define the word legacy is how do we want to be seen? How, if we could go into the future, how do we want that? You know, think about that as a parent, like what? Do you want your kids to say at your eulogy? What do you mm-hmm. want your kids to say about you when they're talking to their kids? When their kids say, "What was you know, I, you know, grandpa and grandma were fun. What were they like growing up? What and what would be the words like if you hoped for Ella and Hudson when you're long gone? Okay, they're in their sixties and you know, or seventies, and you're long gone. What what would you want them to say to their grandchildren? Like this is what my mom, my dad was like. What would be the words? Like if you had to pick out five words. I, th- I think the words would be, I think it would be, I, I felt, I always felt loved and I felt safe and secure. But I also think it would be, he didn't tell me how to live. He, through his actions, he showed me how he wanted me to live. I really, I'm a big believer in that. And again, you know, the, how I started this was this idea that I don't want them to ever see me not chasing my dreams. You're right, though, in the, in some of the things you've said where I'm like, man, you know, I do worry about I am hard on myself or I do have some of these attributes that can lean. It's like the double edged sort of like, well, they're good qualities, but good qualities to a certain degree can also be bad qualities and being hard on myself. And now seeing that seeing that in my daughter sometimes is is worrisome for me. Well, they're, like, they have a, diff- to pick a you know, you want to raise your kids to be. Right. You know, to be able to handle everything that life can throw at them. And, and that's just hard. You know, that, it, it that's is an hard. unrealistic expectation. And, and the fact is they're not, I mean, just to, to give you some, this is going to make you feel good at the same time. Excuse me. I said a bad word. Oh, I said a bad okay. word on our podcast. We'll bleep it out. Uh, boop, boop. This is going to make you feel good and also maybe not feel so good at the same time. They are not going to be able to handle everything that's thrown at them. But, but, but in the sense that there's going to be times where they're going to be overwhelmed. There's going to be times that they're going to fail. There's going to be times that... It, they're going to fall short of what they want to do. But the good thing is I believe very strongly that they will be able to um, learn from, grow from, and become yeah. better from everything that's thrown at them. And Well, I think that they, again, they, they, you know, they emulate what they see. And, and you, you had mentioned something that made me think of this. Like I, we, the kids are present when Jackie and I have argument. I mean, our, our disagreements, arguments that we, that we experience, like, I actually want our children to see go see us go through the full evolution of talking through this, what that can like, how we can do conflict resolution without screaming at each other and using bad language and being, you know, being so angry that we slam doors and we throw things like that is, that is not how we do it in front of our kids because I want them to see like there is a, there is a way to deal with that. I li- and, and honestly, like I, it's so, oh my gosh, dude, the other day, I, um, I don't know. I had a bad day, you know, work-wise was tired, was busy, whatever. 
I looked at Jackie and I was like, Hey, like, remember, we've talked about this on a podcast. I'm like, I got zero. Like, I, need I, I got, you know, that we do the zero to 100% thing. Like, how much can we attri- contribute to the evening? I'm like, I got nothing left in the tank. She's like, all right, cool. Like, you go, like, just relax. And um, she puts the kids to bed. She's putting huts in the bed. Our children are, we're in a phase where they are just coming out every 50 <laughs> seconds. Like, just I noticed up. on our text conversation, I asked you four times, how did Huddy sleep last night? You never answered that question. Because <laughs> you just already know the answer to that question. Not well. Um, and, and so, so she's putting Hudson to sleep for like the fourth time and Ella walks out. She's holding her little stuffy. She's so sweet. Oh my gosh. She walks into the bedroom and so perceptive. She's six and she goes, daddy, what's wrong? Aww. And, and I said, well, what do you mean? And she goes, are you sad? And I said, yeah, a little bit. And she said, why? And I go, I don't, I didn't even know that I, I I couldn't come up with why I didn't know how to. And I go, I, I don't know. I, maybe we could talk about it tomorrow. I, I'm not, I don't really feel like talking about it. She's like, well, let's maybe talk through it and maybe you'll feel better. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know? And, and we did. And I, I shared with her, you know, how I was feeling. And, and I think that that was important. You know, it probably, was important. it's not like I overshared details or anything. I just kind of, but I think it was important for a six year old to see like, Oh, conflict, okay. Even adults resolu- go through this conflict yeah. resolution, you know, and I'm my big, I love, I love that. Here's the biggest yeah. worry, right? The, the, the extremes. I know couples that fight and have fought and fight in front of their kids. Horrifically. I've seen yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, every bad word, well, the, threatening the divorce. That that's normal, you know? And and the kids become like, that's going to be the relationships. Either that's going to be the relationships they're going to be in, or hopefully they'll be like, like me and they'll go, I never want that in my world. Or I know the opposite. I have friends growing up who have said this sentence to me, you know, I've never once seen my parents argue or fight, pause. That's why I'm so surprised they're getting divorced now. <laughs> I literally oh, so can say they never saw their parents fight. And then they were like, I don't know yeah. why they're getting divorced. You know why? Because their parents completely hid any reality of the relationship from their kids. And now, of it's course, there's a healthy that might have been for the better in some ways. But I know people who have no idea how you do that, how you disagree, how you fight, how you argue. I think that's beautiful. Look, man, our children are going to learn from our, our imperfections as much as they're going to learn from our strong points. You have to strike, I believe one has to strike the balance of being perceptive, listening to your kids, flip this in the relate, not compare, make this as a leader of an organization, make this as a boss, make this as a manager, make this as a friend, you know, think about not expecting perfection and all this from your team, but also the the leader that sets the example, I always say, you know, a good leader can say, look what I've accomplished, but a great leader can say, look who I've helped become accomplished. Mm-hmm. I feel like great leaders pour into their team. I see that you you guys do that at Candor Path. You're, you invest in the the expertise and the training and the knowledge and the way you talk about your team. And this is a shout out to all of them. They're, I know they listen to this. You You and Matt really speak highly and respectfully of mm-hmm. the people that work for you. And I sit back and I think, what a great example, because you know that those folks are going to, many are going to stay with you forever and some are going to go on in their career and do their own things and whatever. But especially the the ones that are kind of new and younger, they're, they're looking at you and Matt as this is the kind of leader I'm going to be. And then maybe 
in hmm. some situations going, you know, I would do things differently and this is how I would do it. I think it's all about, this world is all about legacy. I think it's all about if people were just a little bit more concerned with, with the imprint that they leave on the people around them, whether it be their children, their significant others, their their family, their friends, their colleagues, their their the people that work for them, I think the world could possibly be a better place. And and just, just to keep that in mind, you know, once yeah. this that cement is hardened, you can pour all the water you on it you want. Um, relationships and and parenting is all about molding and doing the best you can with with what you have at the time. Don't expect perfection from yourself because. You'll, you'll never achieve it. And if you expect, if you set that example of perfection for your kids, you're going to raise high-performing kids who are going to be very burnt out mm-hmm. and probably very depressed and neurotic and mm-hmm. more so than the parents who are like, you said a quote, I, I was waiting for you to say it, but I didn't want to say it about bad parenting. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. You can say it. No, you say it. Uh, well, I don't remember where I heard it, but it was, um, it was about parenting and how parenting is hard, but it was this emphasis that parenting is only hard for good parents because mm. we're hard on ourselves. Say that again. Parenting is only hard for good parents. And I love that because f- take the word parenting out. Ready? Leadership. Say it with leadership. Yep. Leadership is only hard for good leaders. Make it. I love that. Friendship. Oh, man. I friendship love that. is, friendship is, say it. Yeah. Friendship is only hard for good friends. Yeah. I mean, it's because you care. You know, mm-hmm. I always say that- Such a great that, point. That low performers are, are the, the reason why that like people struggle with burnout in, in workplaces is because they care. I, I truly believe that the people that don't care and they've dipped and they've tuned out, I don't believe that they get burnt out. It's the people yeah. who like you, when I text you, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I got a 7 PM call. Okay. Sorry. You know, love you, bro. Love you too. And, and you're like, man, I'm tired. You know, it's because you care. It, it mm-hmm. It's with me, you know, my schedule, you know what I do, you know, th- this week alone, you know, um, what, what I'm doing and writing books and traveling and speaking and, you know, a lot of pressure is on me and I do experience moments of burnout, but it's because I deeply care. And I truly believe that the treatment, the way that you cure that feeling of being burnt out as a parent, as a friend, as a leader, as whatever you do, is to focus on the purpose. And when you feel that I'm falling short as a parent, let's say, that you focus on, but why am I doing this? What is the bigger picture? And the bigger picture is I'm responsible for these human beings and I want them to be happy, successful, joyful, enjoy their life, have a beautiful life, and to be able to bring good into this world. That's really what you're striving for. You're not sitting here saying Ella and Huddy have to be millionaires or I'll be disappointed in them. You know, Correct. there there have been people. I, I know people. I I went I worked in a in a hospital where where there were residents. And I actually f- remember one physician, a couple, several actually, but one particular who was only a physician because her father was a physician. And she told me that. She says, I was expected to go to a medical school from the time I was five or six years old. My father said, I'm a physician. My father was a physician. You're my only child. You will be a physician. And you know what she wanted to be? She wanted to be an architect. Mm. But no, her father said, I won't pay for school unless Jeez, you go to medical Louise. school. Guess her and what George she, Costanza both wanted to be architects. Guess what? I didn't know. That's a good George. Seinfeld reference. Come on. Guess what she's doing right now? What? She's an architect. Oh, good. Yep. After her father passed away. 
Oh, After her father passed away, it took that she left medicine, went to medical school to be a pediatrician, did it for four or five years, and went back to school to be an architect. Wow. But when you when I've spoken to her years ago, she she realized that it was a valuable lesson and she has children and she n- said, I will never have an expectation of a career for my children. I will be supportive of what they do and I will guide them along the way. But she said, you know what? Medical school taught me a lot of discipline and I was able to do some good and I've brought a lot of what I've learned into the career that I have right now. I think it's good to find the good in that situation for sure. Always. Speaking of which, man, this was, this was a great conversation. I'm glad that we talked about this and, and thank you for your kind words. And, and, you know, I just want to let you know, man, as you know, friend to friend, you're doing a great job, but you know, always well, I'm ready your... to go. I'm ready to go monk mode. You know, I mean, it feels you like live... that's a wrap and now I got to go. Now I got to go monk mode. Actually, you know, I think I want to go mentor mode, which is we should coin that one. We should that, like a lot of what you talked about, whether it's parenting or not. I mean, you started the example with Luke and and me. It's it. It's you know, that's being a mentor to somebody and that well, can come know, in so many different capacities. That's, that's the hero's journey. If anybody knows about Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. He was an expert in mythology and it's too deep to get into at the end of a podcast. But part of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey is looking at all the stories of mythology and how they follow a pattern. And if you Mm -hmm. looked at Lord of the Rings, Rocky, um, and Harry Potter, okay, Mm -hmm. there's a mentor in every one of them. Lord of the Rings, you know, there's Gandalf, right? Harry Potter, there's there's Dumbledore and Hagrid. In in Star Wars, there's Obi Wan and Yoda. There there's, we go. That's one I know. I was yeah. waiting for one I knew. Thanks. <laughs> there's there's Rocky. There's Mickey. There's there's always this mentor, this person that guides the hero through their journey, and we want to raise heroes. And part of raising heroes as parents is to be their mentors. We want to be great leaders. And part of being a great leader is being a mentor. We want to be good human beings. And part of being a good human being is when you go into Chipotle, when you go into Starbucks, when you go into Publix, look at the cashier, look at the server, look at the barista. How are you? How's your day been? You doing well? And your kids watch that. My son notices that. He says, dad, no matter how bad of a day you're having, you always ask people how they're doing. And I'm going to do that as well. Now, all that being said, I do a lot of stupid stuff that I shouldn't do. The problem my kids are being like, I ain't going to do that. Right? Yeah. But, but those, we're, we're, of course, only speaking about the good stuff we do. We'll have a podcast where we just talk about all our stupid mistakes that we've made. But hey, man, this this has been a great conversation. So I'm, I'm glad we got to have this. So I just want to let everybody know we appreciate you um, being part of this podcast and being part of our podcast journey. We're now well over 51,000 plus downloads. So um, I just want to say thank you for doing that. If you would be so kind to share this podcast with other people, pass it along um, and uh, let us know what you think of it. We'd, we'd love to hear that. So yeah. Also, if you you want to, if you want to, uh, if you want to watch us instead of listen to us, you can go over to our YouTube channel at Canderpath. And I think we're gonna are we gonna start resharing them on yours too on your social. Yeah, I would, your I would love that. I would love that. Okay, we we got to figure do that it. out. I've got I've got to <laughs> pull out a better background and and get my camera angles a little bit better. But hey, man, thank you to everybody for listening to this. We appreciate you being part of this. We appreciate you being part of our journey. And on behalf of John, Matt, and I, and all of us at Canderpath, we thank you for being here for Above Board with Canderpath. Until the next time, uh, you know what? Get into monk mode, right? Going monk mode. We'll see <laughs> ya. The- See you guys later. (laughs)